There is a good question for us to consider today, especially in light of all the recent events. And the question is this, in these days, what do we need to be doing? In these days, especially as believers, as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, in these days, what do we need to be doing? We have a new president. Part of the nation is glad about that, extremely so. Part of the nation is not so glad about that, also extremely so. We have a new president. In these days, what do we need to be doing? Is there a picture? This is our new assistant secretary for health in the Department of Health and Human Services. This is Dr. Rachel Levine, a pediatrician. She is divorced. Her ex-wife is named Martha Levine, also is a pediatrician and a psychiatrist. She is a father of two children. In these days, what do we need to be doing? There is a global pandemic going on. People are sick. People are dying. Some that we know, we are told today as you watch the news that the vaccine, it'll take hold and everything will go back to normal. We're also told the vaccine will not work. We're some told that it could be unsafe. We're told that masks will work. Sometimes we're told that masks do not work. We have been commanded for the next 100 days that we ought to wear masks and I guess see how that goes. In these days, what are we to be doing? What should we be doing as the church? Today there is division and hatred in our nation and I'll go ahead and say as never before. Now those are high words when I say that. Uh, I believe everywhere you turn there is division, there is hatred in our land today and so I ask the question again, in these days, what are we to be doing? Now I could go on, believe me, I could go on. But I want to tell you this morning, there is good news. In a world that is uncertain, in a culture that is unstable, in a day of misinformation, at a time marked by indecision, the good news is, listen to me, as believers, we know what we should do. What are we to do as followers of Jesus Christ? What are we to do in days like these? Friends, listen very carefully. We preach Jesus. We preach Jesus. You see, the hope of the new president and the answer for those that elected him, the solution for those that are opposed to him, the need of all people, including Dr. Levine, and the light and the pandemic-ridden world is Jesus. And so what do we do as believers in these days? We preach Jesus. Today in our study in the book of Acts, we're going to see this truth laid out once again. Our message is entitled today, Failure to Stop. Failure to Stop. We're in Acts chapter 14. We've moved to the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 14, beginning in the first verse, God's word says this. 
in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed both of Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that sins and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lycania, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful that today, on this day, we have hope that endures. I'm thankful that we have peace as followers of Christ that the world cannot understand. I'm thankful that we have the forgiveness of our sins. I'm thankful that we have a future that is better than we can imagine. And so we come and we praise you. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. Lord, I pray now as we exist in these days, as we exist as followers of Christ, I pray that you would show us what to do that you would show us how to do it, that we would be discerning more than that, that we would be faithful and carry out your plan for the church. Lord, I pray that you would equip us this morning, that you would teach us and train us this morning. Lord, I pray most importantly, if there is one here that does not know you, I pray in the, in the preaching, the hearing of a gracious Savior that today they might be saved. Lord, we give you this day, we give you this hour as an act of worship. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, we exalt you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So far in our study here in Acts, we have seen the start of the church there in the upper room with the 120. We have witnessed the empowerment of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit there, we have actually heard the commission of the church in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that they are to be witness, testifiers to our Lord Jesus Christ. Through that and building, we have seen the persecution of the church, which results in the spread of the church, and we're going to see that that's going to be never-ending. And now when we get to chapter 14, as we continue moving along, we are seeing the work of the church, the work of the church. The commission that was given by Christ that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God is now being carried out in the work of the church. Now I want you to remember this fact, this truth today as the church. The church is the witness to Jesus. The church, we are testifiers as to the truth of our Savior, Jesus. The church, we are proclaimers, we are broadcasters that there is good news in all times in this day, and that good news is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to be sure today, that is why we exist, and listen, and if we are not doing that, nobody is. 
Did you know the church exists to testify that we have hope today? The church exists to hold up the light of our Savior Jesus today. And if we are not doing that, nobody is. The world needs a faithful church. All right, let's go to our verses this morning. Let's move through them. Starting in verse 1. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed both of Jews and of Greeks. Paul and Barnabas, they have preached in Antioch. They were sent by the church there in Antioch to the island of Cyprus. They have covered the entire island of Cyprus 90 miles from the top down to the bottom with the message of Jesus Christ. They leave there, they go 200 miles by sea and another 100 miles by land uphill to Pisidian Antioch and there they preach also the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. Now if you remember in chapter 13, we read the great sermon and what a tremendous message it was. He proclaims Jesus is the Messiah and he gives great proof of Jesus as the Messiah. Then last week in chapter 13, we have the response of the people. Remember in chapter 13, verse 50, it says that persecution breaks out against them and they are driven out of the city. And so they have been faithfully preaching the word of God. They have preached here in this city and now in an intense persecution, they are pushed out of the city. They now travel 90 miles to the south to Iconium. Now in Iconium, the Bible says they entered the synagogue of the Jews. Now it says together. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together. That Greek word, the original language, means in the same way or as Usual, And so I think there is a better translation than together. I, I believe it is as usual. And so in Iconium, they enter the synagogue of the Jews as usual. Now here's the deal. We need to be sure of this. Some teach differently. But Paul never gives up on the Jewish people. Now he is an apostle. He, he reaches many Gentile people. Uh, God uses him in that manner but he never gives up on the Jewish people. He loves the Jewish people. In fact, he has a great burden, a great desire that they would acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah and that they would be saved. And so as usual, he goes to the synagogue. Now the Bible records that once he was there, he spoke in a manner that a large number of people believed both Jews and Greeks. Now, I want you to notice this, and I want us to take note of it. Notice they do the same thing that got them chased out of the last city. Do you notice that? If you read chapter 13, moving to chapter 14, they do exactly the same thing that got them chased out of the last city. In Pisidian Antioch, they go to the synagogue of the Jews and they preach Jesus there. They do exactly this and the Bible says they are chased out of town. Well, now they go to Iconium and they do it again. And that leads us to the first point this morning. 
Why do they do the same thing? Why do they do what they usually do? Here's the first point this morning. The way to reach people is by proclaiming the gospel with the goal of belief. Now, that's an important sentence. That's a very profound, heavy sentence, but I want you to hear that again. The way to reach people is by proclaiming the gospel with the goal of relief. Listen, today churches, people are focused on all of these programs that they might take up, all of these things that they might do in hopes that somehow lives would be changed or in hopes that somehow the church would grow or in hopes that somehow Christ would be known when the reality is the way to reach people is by proclaiming the gospel with the goal of belief. Be very sure today, our goal, our our method, listen, is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. But our goal as a church, our goal as the church, is that people would trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is our goal. Everything we do should be evaluated against that. Are people trusting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Listen, our goal is not that people would have better lives or more enjoyable lives. It's not that we would raise up good and moral people in a wicked generation. It's not that we would have better things for us and for our families to attend. The goal of the church is that in the proclamation of Jesus, people would trust in him. Listen, that's the call of Christ. That's the call of the gospel. Listen, that is the call of the church, that folks in the hearing of the gospel would believe in Jesus. All right, verse two. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Let me read that again. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. The Jews who did not believe, the Bible says, stirred up the minds. If you go look that up, it literally translates, they afflicted the minds. The most literal translation, they poisoned the minds. That brings us to the second thing we're going to learn today, and that is this. There is a battle for the minds of people. Folks, we better be aware of that. Folks, we better be warned of that. We better better know that. We better get our eyes open today. For some reason, we've become numb to that. There is a battle going on for the minds of people. Here's what I've noticed, and it's the truth. Maybe you've noticed the same thing. Today, people, we are losing the ability to think, to reason, to ponder. That's what's happening in our world today. We are being robbed 
of our minds today. Now, I can tell you a lot of ways that that's happened, but that's the truth of our day. Now, we've got all these technological advances. We've got all these great inventions, but we as individuals, we are being robbed of the ability to think and to ponder and to reason today. We stare at screens for how many hours? Kids sit around and play video games for how many hours? We watch TV for how many hours? We have to be entertained constantly. Have you ever noticed that? We have to have one thing and another thing and another thing. We have to be entertained constantly for how many hours? I meet men today and we can talk and they can tell you who the greatest of all time is in every sport. You know what, it was this guy and then this thing happened and it was Michael Jordan and maybe it was Tom Brady, but he's a cheater anyway. People could talk about the Chicago Bulls and they can talk about the Dallas Cowboys for hours and they can talk about the years that they won the Super Bowls and they can talk about the things that are happening now and they can talk about Tiger Woods and they can talk about the spread offense. But when you say, brother, do you wanna talk about the Bible? They say, no, that's too hard. We can't understand that. Who has time for that? Today, we are filling our minds with everything but anything that actually matters. Listen very carefully. Today, there is a battle for the minds of people, and the world is getting in its stuff. The scoffers and the pundits, they are getting in their stuff. Those that are opposed to the truth of God's word, they are getting in their stuff, and we're not even aware there's a battle going on. It says that poisoned their minds, and then listen to the fruit of that, and embittered them against the brethren, the believers. Embittered, the original language, means to incite against. Watch this. It is no different now. Have you noticed in our day the poisoned minds of a lost world are all set against followers of Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that? Why can't they just have a poisoned mind and go off of their poisoned mind? Why can't they just believe this nonsense and take it and operate their life accordingly? The poisoned minds of a lost world are all set against, embittered against those that follow Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, if you think it's bad now, get ready, it's gonna get worse. Put that picture back up, please. I promoted this sermon using this picture. Didn't say any words, I just used the picture. Did you know, I don't hate that guy, now he is a man, and he probably shouldn't be around kids, and he for sure shouldn't be setting our policies. But you know, I don't, I don't hate that guy, because you know what he needs? He needs Jesus. He needs to hear that God has something so much better than this sorry world. He needs to hear that God created him, and as he created him, there is a purpose and there is value, and that God loves us. He needs Jesus, that his sins could be forgiven just like me, that his hope could be put back in order. I don't hate that guy. He needs Jesus. But let me tell you this. Did you know just by posting his picture, very soon we could be in trouble. 
Very soon, folks are going to come along and say, oh, that's inconsiderate, that's intolerant, that's, that's hateful. We may already be on somebody's list just downloading this picture. Listen, there is a battle for the mind, and the minds that are poisoned in the lost world are embittered against the brethren, the followers of Jesus Christ. All right, verse 3. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Now, I want to read that again. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Now, here's something interesting. There are some biblical scholars, and they think, they believe that verse 3 should actually follow verse 1. And they, they go through and say, well, we looked at it, and maybe it was transcribed improperly somewhere in the passing down of these manuscripts. And, and they think that it should say, many believed in verse 1, and so they spent a long time there, in verse 2, and they think verse 3 should move up to verse 2. Many are believing a great movement of God is happening, and, and so they spent a long time there. Let me just tell you this. It's in the correct order. We can trust it's in the correct order. It means what it means, and it means it for a reason. You see what, it, what it's telling us here? Many believed, but some didn't. Many believe, but you know what? Some others, their minds were poisoned. Some others, the truth was attacked. Some of these others, they are embittered against the church. And so, yes, some believe, but some have not believed. Some are embittered against the church. Some have had the truth snatched away from them. And so, because of that, they stayed on speaking boldly. Now, that leads us to the next point of the sermon, and that is this. God works in the proclamation of the gospel. That is a, that's an awesome thing. God works in the proclamation of the word of God. Now, listen, we lose confidence in that. And we start to think, you know, we have to do other things along with preaching the gospel. We have to maybe add some other things in that we can draw them to hear the preaching of the gospel. We, we have to act like, you know what, we're gonna do something else and once you get here, we might pull the carpet out from under you and slip it in on you. No, listen to me very carefully. The truth will always stand and God works in the proclamation of the word of God, I was thinking about that all day yesterday. You know, 10, 11 years ago when I came to Calvary Baptist Church, I believed that, but I wish somebody had told me that in my ear over and over and over again. God works in the proclamation of the word of God. Take confidence in that. Be bold in that. As many times as you get the opportunity, correctly preach the word of God. Listen, we can be confident God works in the proclamation of his word. Paul comes along and he later writes a letter to Timothy and he tells him, preach the word. If you go back and read that account, he actually tells them when the world has gone crazy, preach the word. When nobody wants to hear it, preach the word. When people are mean and selfish and self-serving, preach the word. When there's an attack against the word of God, preach the word. He says, do it in the in season and do it in the off season. 
Church, be sure we can have confidence God works in the proclamation of the word of God. God's word will not return empty. Look at verse 3 one more time. Therefore, they spent a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. It says they were speaking boldly, relying on the Lord, leaning on him, trusting him, empowered by him. They are speaking boldly, relying on the Lord. Now, the Bible says this, and he, God, is testifying to the message of his grace. They are speaking the word of God, and he is alongside of them testifying to the message of his grace. Now, he's doing that through signs and wonders. God is doing miraculous things at the hands of the apostles to confirm the message that they are proclaiming. Some folks get bogged down on there and get messed up on that. Listen, it's as simple as that. The signs and the wonders, the miracles, were always to confirm the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they are speaking the message, and God is confirming the message of his grace shown through Jesus through signs and wonders. Now I want you to see this. When we proclaim the word of God, it is the same way in that we speak boldly, but it is God who testifies. Do you see how awesome that is in that verse? We speak boldly, leaning on him, trusting in him. We speak boldly, but it is God who changes lives. It is God who makes the difference. It is God who empowers and moves tremendously. We speak boldly, but it is God who testifies. It's the same way. Verse four, but the people of the city were divided and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Now, maybe you've noticed this and we've seen it through several accounts here in Acts. Maybe you've noticed it in practice. The gospel is divisive. Now, be sure we as the church, we're to be unified around the one correct gospel, the gospel of, uh, of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, the church is unified in the gospel, but the preaching of the gospel divides. Now notice here, again, there are two camps. There are those that believe, and then there are those that disbelieve. Now they might come out of different backgrounds, they might come out of different situations, but it ends up, because of the gospel preached, there are two different camps, those that believe and those that disbelieve. There are those who believe the gospel, and then there are those that hear the gospel. They even see God's miracles that were to confirm the gospel, and yet they still do not believe. They are divided. Now, I want you to notice this. It's not just the people at the synagogue. Verse four tells us the people of the city are divided. So the gospel's preached and there's two camps that come out of that. And there's division that arises because of that. Some believe, some do not. And it's not just at the synagogue where it was preached, it's now throughout the city. There is division, the people of the city are divided 
And I want you to hear me very well this morning. And that does not change the message. That does not change the need. Be sure today, in a divided world, we still preach Jesus. Now listen, there's some that they want to adapt that. You know what? This message is offensive to a lot of my friends. This message is offensive to those folks over there, and they want to adapt it somehow. They want to adjust it somehow, and it's going on in church after church and pulpit after pulpit. Listen to me, dear friend. We dare not. Are we calloused in that? No. Are we intolerant in that? No, not at all. You see, the need has not changed, and so the message has not changed. Divided as you could be over the gospel of Jesus Christ, we preach Jesus. 2021, get ready to watch this year. Very soon, if not already, people are going to say, that's unloving. That's unloving, that, that saying anything about that guy or saying anything about sin at all. It's unloving, it's intolerant, it's inconsiderate. You watch 2021, it's hate speech. We're not allowed to say that. Listen, not at all. There is hope alone in Jesus. The answer for people is in Jesus. And so divisive or not, we dare not change the message. We preach Jesus. Verse five, here's what happens because of that. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, I think it's interesting here, when they can't out-debate them, when they can't use Scripture to back up their statements, let us decide we'll kill them. We'll hurt them, we'll injure them, we'll run them out of town. To mistreat means to injure, of course. To stone meant to kill. It was a method of execution. Verse six, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lycania, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. Now, the word therefore fled means to seek refuge. It actually means they headed away from trouble. There's trouble here. There's persecution here. They headed away from trouble. Now, as I thought about that, I want to I ask the question. I want to answer it. Are they scared? Are they intimidated? Continue through the book of Acts. Continue what we've seen so far. This Paul, this is a man that keeps on and he keeps on and he keeps on. This man will lose his head literally for the cause of Jesus Christ. So is he intimidated? I think not. But is he smart? Yes. Now, you ask, well, what is the difference here? The difference is he has to go where God leads. I don't know why he would stay somewhere longer than others. I don't know why he would leave at this point, but evidently it was more profitable at this time to leave this place where they're not hearing, where they're picking up stones to kill him. And so he goes to two more cities, to a brand new region, there also to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, verse seven, last verse. And there... They continued to preach the gospel. What, what a verse. Man, if they could engrave this on the, on the foundation of Calvary Baptist Church. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Continued means what they started, they kept on doing. 
It means they did not stop preaching the gospel. Here's what it literally means. They failed to stop. They failed to stop. In Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, they preached the gospel. They're sent out and they go to the island of Cyprus and there they run into a false teacher. But you know what they do? They preach the gospel. They go to Pisidian Antioch and there they're chased out of towns with rods. But you know what they do? They preach the gospel. They go to Iconium and they pick up stones to, to crush them in. You know what they do? They preach the gospel. Now they go to two new cities, Leicester and Derby, and there they preach the gospel. With a great result, they preach the gospel. With great dissension, they preach the gospel. In the midst of troubles and trials, they preached the gospel. They continued, listen, to preach the gospel. They failed to stop. Listen to me today, church. We cannot get distracted in these days. We cannot get disoriented in these days. For sure, we cannot become discouraged in these days. The hope of sinners, every single sinner, is Jesus. The light that shines in the darkness, there's only one light, and it is Jesus. Our anchor that's gonna hold, it's only gonna be Jesus. And so come what may, we preach Jesus. Hear me today, we have a Savior. We have a Savior, and he's paid the cost of sin, mine and yours. We have a Savior, he's defeated death, and he stands victorious. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? We have a Savior, and he has not rattled the foundation holds today. We preach Jesus. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen, he loves you. Listen, he died to pay the penalty for your sin. If you're here today and you say, oh, I've run after all these things. Listen, friend, your hope is in Jesus. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Listen to this preacher. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful in a, in a dark tough world, crazy world, that our anchor holds, that the truth of God's word stands. And the message has not changed because it will not change. We have a risen, reigning Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for some here today that are looking for hope. I pray for some here that are looking for answers. I pray that today, in the preaching of the hope of Jesus, they would trust you, Lord. Lord, I pray for us as a church as we head into crazy times, as we walk through crazy, a crazy world, that we would not become disoriented, that we would not become discouraged, but save in the grace of a loving God and a, and a powerful risen Savior, that we would open our mouths at the job site, at the bank, at the store, at the farm, at the fertilizer dealer, the insurance agent's office, and we would proclaim Jesus. Lord, use us for that. Help us in that. Embolden us in that. And may the fruit of all of that be great glory to that Lamb, to that Savior, to that King, our Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you this hour. We give you this service. We give you this time of response. I ask that you move in it. We thank you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.